Hello, and welcome to Eat More Cereal, the brand new gaming-oriented podcast featuring me, E.T., and my good friend, Dar. Yo. <laughs> and honestly, we're just here to talk about video games. That's that's the goal here, you know? Um, our goal with this podcast, we're not, I mean, I don't know. Again, it's just video games, right? We're Nothing specific. No. Each uh each episode's going to be a different sort of topic revolving around video games mm-hmm. um you know nothing crazy so if you like video games mm-hmm. you're gonna like this podcast i mean it's a guarantee it's guarantee 100 percent. i mean we'll, and, we'll also have some like news stories too or some course. some stuff but it was it's we're just making it for fun yeah i mean literally uh, it's called eats more cereal right so Basically, the premise of eating more cereal is in reference to the Rage comic, of course, from back in the day, back in, like, the trolling day star, if you will. Yeah, of course. Um, yep. Where, uh, after a hot take is exposed, um, or a surprise is, uh, revealed, the Rage comic character would spit out their cereal, uh, in anguish, um, Whereas this podcast, it's called Eating More Cereal, right? So you're not spitting it out, you know? There's nothing crazy going on here. We're just here. Have fun. Have a good time. Talk about video games. Eat some cereal, of course. Um, and yeah. But let's, 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 get, let's get right into it. I don't think I could have explained that better, honestly. That was great. <laughs> Thank you, Dar. Thank you. <laughs> All right. I mean, the main things to really cover right now that are probably the most interesting is... Um, over the summer, there's obviously going to be a lot of new games news uh, and a bunch of new sales too, especially the Steam summer sale. But there is no E3 this summer. I kind of was expecting that, honestly, because um, yeah. I've just been hearing a lot of stuff that it, especially in the more recent years, it was just not as well managed as it used to be. And a lot of oh, people yeah. were just completely losing interest. And especially with COVID, it kind of just oh, yeah. removed it altogether. Um, I don't yeah. think they've officially said that it's gone. Um, there have been, like, reports from, like, calls or something from the higher-ups who are doing E3 that it's not yeah, going to happen. Yeah, like, uh, new sites and stuff being, like, rumored and all of that sort of thing. Yeah, but they've never actually... The website, I think, might even... If I might... I might be wrong. It still says, like, that there might be one this year. So they haven't technically confirmed it, but... If they did, they would have announced it already. They would have, it would have been known that it would be happening soon already. And I think uh, when it comes to E3, like part of what what makes E3 E3 is the whole show aspect behind it, right? Yeah. yeah. It's it's one event, and, you know, a bunch of people go, a bunch of people Mm -hmm. just want to go see all these big companies, real games, do dumb shit on stage, right? Like that's. That's what people love about E3. Yeah. Um, but over the past couple of years, right? I mean, you've seen all these companies like Nintendo, like mm-hmm. Play- like PlayStation, all these. They're doing their own thing, right? Yeah. Nintendo Directs. Mm-hmm. Nintendo Directs have just sort of been There's... Nintendo's thing now. Yeah. For I I don't know since probably like they've been they've been doing it for a long time, even when they were still participating in E3. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I mean, it's one of those things where I think most developers are just sort of going to that format right turning it into like a oh here's sort of like a summer uh reveal showcase right a, mm-hmm. a quick like you know hour-long 40 minute 40 minute video just sort of talking about their games talking about development all that sort of thing and there isn't really a need for e3 anymore i guess um no one really wants to go and sit down and watch all this stuff happen if all the companies are going to do is just show this like direct or showcase you know exactly yeah and i think it i mean i think it was especially crazy or it got more like that when even though they kind of were live streaming e3 for the whole time for the whole time it was happening when live streaming got big i also think that when there was just more access to live streaming people didn't necessarily need to actually go to e3 when there's definitely benefits there you could probably meet some really cool content creators you get to meet devs you get to do that and see booths which is really fun but there is just where the main news that you want will literally be just live streamed on a twitch channel and i think that also kind of ruins the aspect of it maybe not in the beginning because people were still getting used to it but eventually like later on i think it eventually just showed how big online events are compared i mean 
it, it's gonna suck though you know i mean i i will miss e3 like yeah. e3 is like again the event part of it like seeing bethesda go up and pay the entire audience to cheer at everything they were <laughs> that's, yeah that's amazing that's like that's so funny to watch because it's just it's so absurd yeah seeing how much get like these game developers just don't understand their audience mm-hmm. like it's just really funny to see and like i'm gonna miss that aspect of it um and something like that you can't really show in like a direct style video exactly um but yeah you know it, it sucks e3's gone but i mean at the same time right it's it's more efficient like it's something it, it, it was gonna happen eventually mm-hmm. right and i think COVID really really just accelerated it Especially yeah. with the rise of online events that were already there, but the rise really started because like yeah, Nintendo yeah, yeah. was, even while participating in E3, just carrying that with those online events, um, which are those directs. amazing. Like just it goes crazy hyped on Twitter, like yeah, it gets so much like interaction and audience. It's it's crazy. Um, however, Geoff Keighley Gio- loves to do these events. Good Geoff Keighley. <laughs> I like him. I think he's great. Awards. Yeah. He's also a well-known a journalist um, who's done a bunch of covers on specifically some Valve games and how the development of that happens. But, I mean, the summer, I think Summer Games Fest was new last year. It's only been yeah, around it was for like... Last year? It's been a couple of years, I think. Like two okay. or three. Um, but yeah, that's sort of his his thing. Right? Yeah. It's, summer Games Fest. Yeah, it's basically... Um, it's it's like E three, but there's no real um, actual event in person. There is like a live streamed like theater where Geoff like brings up devs and they announce, but you can't necessarily go there. Um, and it's just to announce some games over the summer. Um, it's a very good idea. I think it works really well, um, and I think it's a great solution. Even though it's not E three doing it, it's a great solution to kind of having that replace E three. And I think. Yeah. Um, it's actually on the same day, or at least it starts June 9th, on the same day that E3 would originally start, or at least around then. So it's even at the most similar time, too. Yeah, early June, early June. Exactly, yeah. Um, I mean, that's kind of all that it is. Um, but I like that. I mean, I, it's, it's good. Yeah. It's, like a, it's a good replacement for it, right? Because it's not just the direct style videos, right? You still get, like, you still see, like, these developers and all. It's still, like, an event. It's mm-hmm. just an online event. It's fully online. Uh, and it's still formatted like an event, you know? Uh, Mr. Keeley is going around <laughs> introducing all of these developers and introducing what kind of games and everything. It's still structured. You get that structure that you get from E3, right? Yeah. But it's not just, you know, separate uh, direct style things like you would normally see, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I really appreciate because he, he, I mean, he just loves making events. I mean, he's been doing the Game Awards for... Oh, yeah how i don't even know how long <laughs> it's definitely more it's than a, a decade it's more than a decade yeah, um definitely. so he's definitely pretty used to getting that stuff on track um so i thought he was a great person who really wanted to spearhead that in my opinion yeah, at least um for sure. i mean obviously uh all the other game developers or the big ones at least they have their own events that they'll just randomly announce yep like nintendo, nintendo. um I know, yeah playstation i think microsoft they they announce it like a bit before but nintendo is yeah. usually like either the day before or like a few sure. days before yeah nintendo um, always waits the last minute they never they never um they never do a lot of stuff in advance no and i think honestly i think that helps build engagement because of like yeah. oh there's like just randomly where you haven't heard anything about like a new pokemon gen or something and then just randomly nintendo's like oh hey we're gonna give you 40 minutes tomorrow in the morning yep. of the yep. new pokemon gen that's coming out yeah, like honestly, it drives hype because everyone's like oh oh it's tomorrow <laughs> yeah <laughs> like it really like brings it in and i i think that is also a smart thing i honestly think you can do it either way because announcing yeah. it like a week or two before it gives people time too right yeah. so like if you have work on that morning exactly you could sort of be like if you have a couple of days to prep for be like yeah. oh wait i gotta clear my schedule for this right yeah whereas if it's a day after like oh well if i'm busy i kind of can't you know mm-hmm. i can't miss my uh i don't know my day my shift at the work office to watch silly nintendo mario game <laughs> right yeah so no yeah right. i think no you're good Uh, i think it just really um shows how 
um interesting it is to like have it just start like right before because it and especially yeah. on like socials it'll drive engagement engagement oh, yeah, so crazy definitely. like i know there's no more smash reveals but those reveals were really oh, big those were reveals. huge um and they did like because yeah. they announced the character and then they like oh there's a live stream like tomorrow with the move set so it's a Where bit it's like an hour and a half of just Masahiro set. Right. like this is exactly what this character's moveset is and how you should play them. And, like, all the lore behind, like, yeah. how that character was created. Like, it's so cool. I, it's I, such a good job. I respect him for making those videos that long. I, yeah, it, I mean, he's, all himself, he's passionate about it. So, like, I, I don't blame him. But still, like, I think that's that's cool. very big. Um, and even though there's no more Smash reveals, or at least for Ultimate, um, it, it still shows that there's still a huge cult following for, like, even I get interested in a Nintendo Direct, even though it's mainly based on a game that I probably will not play. Like, I'm yeah. not that big of a Smash player. I mean, I have Smash. I have it. Because if I have friends over, it's a great game to play, obviously. Yeah. But I'm not as ingrained in, like, the fighting part of it or the more competitive part of it as some other people are. And I'm yep. still as really interested in, like, what new characters, especially with third-party characters, too. Like, I'm interested in that. So I, it's very interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what's good about nintendo directs in general right is that you know there's gonna be more than just smash too mm -hmm. right like you know there's always that chance right everyone always talks about you know like oh when's mother 3 gonna come out <laughs> when's a new, new f-zero game gonna come out right and there's yeah there's there hasn't been one for i don't even know how many years right yeah. but there's always a chance there's always that always slight chance, chance yeah, yeah, yeah. right in this 40 minute video that will almost certainly not include the game that you are going to want to see unless it's something like i don't know breath of the wild 2 or pokemon or something right it's like there's always that chance that they're just going to release this game out of nowhere right that yeah. you've been waiting for for years and it's just the greatest feeling in the world because there's what's nice about nintendo directs is almost they almost never get leaked too like most no. of the stuff is all kept pretty well under wraps so that when you see it everyone's seeing it for the first time no yeah. one has been spoiled on what's going to show up so it's everything again like the smash reveals the surprise and the tension that it builds is really really fun and really, no really, it really cool is um and i think that's what's really good about it now compared to the other companies um they've been mainly doing online events more recently because they've, they've just realized how successful a Nintendo Direct is, and they've tried to replicate it, especially with all three of them pulling out of E3. Yeah, Even just before. Three. Yeah, the big three. Um, Microsoft is an interesting case recently, because I know they have an event soon. Um, they have an event... Um, and I, I think it's around the Summer Games Fest, I'm assuming. Um, I'd have to look it up again, which I can. Um, but one thing that I think is interesting is that Due to the, because recently they obviously acquired uh, Bethesda and yep. uh, Starfield and Redfall, which I haven't heard about Redfall. I know a lot about Starfield, but I have not heard a lot about Redfall. Yeah, I don't Redfield, know. Red, Redfall hasn't gotten as much hype, I think, because Starfield has been like the, oh my god, Bethesda are making Skyrim in space, but like, yeah. Redfall is sort of flown under the radar i think mm -hmm. um it, it got revealed at one of these events i'm not sure which one do you know what type um, of game it is because I, I don't i mean i can look it's, it up uh i'm pretty sure it's like a like a co-op uh like a co-op fps game um because oh. it's a it's arcane um which made yeah. uh prey dishonored dishonored yeah uh, uh the new one the uh the one that won a bunch of awards uh, um, Deathloop, Death Death yeah. Um, so like all those ty types of games. Uh, okay. Arcane, uh, which is owned by Bethesda, I believe. Um, Redfall is just like a co-op FPS mm -hmm. about uh vampires, I think. I'm looking it up right now, and that's I mean that's I'm what the cover art looks like. That's definitely what <laughs> yeah. the cover art cover art looks like. Yeah, but... I'm pretty sure they released one trailer and eh, not much else since then. Um. But I'm interested if it's going to be like a like a Left for Dead sort of thing, mm -hmm. um, or if it's like an actual like FPS against like other people, right? Yeah. You know, co-op, as in like you have a full team of your friends against another full team of friends, or like how how is it going to work? Whether it's PVE, PVP, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, so yeah, I haven't 
I was actually I'm actually kind of more interested in it now because I actually had no idea who was developing it uh, the, from the companies from Bethesda. So I'm actually going to keep my eye on that one. But Starfield is a bit more interesting because one, I it looks. I mean, I like space games. I I love No Man's Sky. I think that game is great now. Um, but Starfield is interesting because it's like a Bethesda game in space, which is it's cool. It sounds cool. Yeah. Um, and they've had like little dev videos of like the cities and like development behind like the cities. They're very like, short. The dark stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and which I've watched and are actually pretty cool. But other than that, there's really been no um, nothing. Nothing. Um, and recently, they were delayed both titles to 2023, um, which they really announced it's currently on Twitter. Only May. <laughs> yeah, it's May of 2022, which means neither of these games. Were, I'm pretty sure they were initially going to come out in like September or something, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, 2022, like you know, in the fall at some point. Um, but being delayed to next year, um, yeah, that's 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 pretty big. Mm-hmm. That's pretty big. And I think something that was interesting that I found was a tweet by um, Jason Schreier, who's a reporter for Bloomberg and a very credible um, game journalist. Um, but he said, last spring before E3, I spoke, uh, replying to the delay, um, I spoke to some folks on Starfield who are extremely worried about committing to the 11-11-22 date based on the progress they'd made so far. There was a term floated around called next cyberpunk, which I think is just, I mean, cyberpunk. That's scary. That's scary. <laughs> I, I just think it's an interesting term because with how big, like how poorly botched that launch of that game was, I think it's just crazy that it's become like a, a term now that has been floating around yeah. like in the development team. Well, uh, Cyberpunk was huge, right? Like when Cyberpunk, when, when did it release? It released it was, in like 20... It was... What? Let me look it up. Um, I believe it was like 2019, it was, 2020. It was December 10th in 2020. Yeah, the 2020, right? It's like, when was it announced? 2013. I think it was, it was announced in 2013. I mean, there was like a trailer in 2013. I think it was like it, a, it was just a CG right? trailer. Then, it was just a CG then, trailer. Yeah, and then they announced like a lot more in like 2018, 2019. The, I think. Yeah, the marketing started revving up in 2018. I'm pretty yeah. sure. So. When it started revving up, everyone got so hyped for Cyberpunk. People are like, this is the coolest game we've ever seen. It's so innovative. It's going to be, like, perfect for next-gen consoles. Like, it's a beautiful game, according Mm -hmm. to all these trailers. And the gameplay looks really fun, like, super in-depth. And then, like, every couple months, uh, CG Project Red would just be like, oh, uh, we got to delay it Uh, a couple months. And then a couple months. And then a couple months. It just more and more delays. It just kept piling up. And then eventually... The game released, and it was a buggy mess. Like, it was basically unplayable it on, was. like, the PS4, the Xbox One, oh, all gosh, these, yeah. like, older gen uh, It was horrible consoles. on those. It was so bad. Uh, and that stuck with people, right? Like, people mm-hmm. were hyped for this game for years. Yeah. Like, I know people who saved up to buy full-on PCs just for this game. Really? Yeah. Like, oh full-on custom-built PCs just so they could play Cyberpunk on the highest settings, on the highest, like, everything. That is the commitment there. Oh, my God. Well, that's the thing, right? Because CD Projekt Red, they're they're a pretty small dev uh, studio, but they made The Witcher. And The Witcher is, like... It's a great... I mean, I haven't played it, but I I know it's an amazing game. It's huge. It's a huge game. People love it. It's sort of... It's got a huge following. And given that that's sort of their main game and what people know this developer for making, everyone's like, all right, The Witcher was incredible. Therefore, Cyberpunk is definitely going to be incredible too since they had like seven years to work on it. Mm -hmm. And then here we are. And Cyberpunk is still... I mean, it, it's gotten it's gotten updates. it's gotten like, it's a bunch gotten of fixes. updates. I hear it's um yeah, heard it's way better now. <laughs> I I I I actually did end up playing it like a month or two after launch um because I I was excited for the game. I mean, I I didn't I wasn't yeah. like as excited as some other people, but I I thought the idea of like an open world third person or not third person, but a, like a game like that in that type of um time setting yeah time that. setting is really cool. I mean, there was also Keanu Reeves, which is interesting like i think i think that's cool um and i don't i don't i honestly think that i didn't have the worst 
I mean, I was on a PC, so I probably was yeah. a bit better with the bug issues, but I don't think I got it worse than some other people did, even on PC too. Like I didn't have that many oh, yeah. bugs, but still the thing that you could really tell was just so many, how much of this game could have been bigger. And the game yeah. is already big, but a lot of things that are in it are not really expanded upon that much. Um, and that was kind of what I felt through playing the game. The narrative is great. I, I love the narrative. Um, I thought it was really compelling. And there are a bunch of different endings, which I haven't gone through all of them, but I've gone through a few of them, and I thought they were great. So just to play the game, finish it, it felt like, oh my god, there's so much left there to be desired. Um, and it's just sad. I still a month month or two after right yeah no was it was they put in a couple bug fixes and new updates and mm -hmm. stuff and it's like i i get that's why cyberpunk is just being used now right mm -hmm. as this term for like a like a disappointment at the end of the day right like mm -hmm. even even compared to what, like what you said earlier like no man's sky right no man's sky had a terrible launch it was horrible uh, it basically promised a bunch of stuff that wasn't even in the game. Mm -hmm. Like it barely ran on a bunch of people's uh, systems. Like it was very similar to Cyberpunk, right? Mm -hmm. But No Man's Sky fixed their game a lot quicker than Cyberpunk did, mm -hmm. I think. And right now, I think No Man's Sky is a great game. It's it's, it's, it's super amazing. expansive. It, the they've of, really done a great job with it. Yeah, the amount of expansions that they've had and how all of them are free too is just like it, they've been nominated for multiple awards. They right? yeah the for like I think like best um. As a community, what's it called? Um, it's something about like the community or like best developer or something. They've been, yeah, something like that. They've been nominated for that for like the past three or four years, I'm pretty sure. And they've won yeah. most of them. I know they've won a good amount of them, but yeah. it just goes to show. Um, obviously, I think there's some part of me that thinks like you shouldn't forget how they launched it, but obviously they've learned from that and added everything that they wanted to I mean, add back in. There's a difference, in. right? The difference between No Man's Sky and Cyberpunk, I mm -hmm. think. Like, No Man's Sky, like, it's very clear the work the devs put in, and, like, they, they really are trying to make No Man's Sky, like, they're trying to erase, you know, exactly. the initial thoughts on it, right? Where Cyberpunk, I feel like it's, they are trying to do that same thing, but they're more like Band-Aid solutions, right? Mm -hmm. They're still trying to, like, keep up the hype that they tried to, they built so much of mm -hmm. before it released, and they're trying to sort of coast on that. Yeah. And, again, Cyberpunk is a great game. It's definitely playable, and it has a bunch of really good things. But, again, it, it really just comes down to the community, right? And how the community reacts to these sort of things. And how you interact with the community, and how it all affects, you know, the game's success. And going back to the initial point of mm -hmm. Starfield and Redfall being delayed, right? I think it's it's too early to tell now, right? Because it's been delayed once to yeah. next year. And That's a good Bethesda thing. is scary. Bethesda's scary though. They Bethesda, they need a win. They need a win. <laughs> they Bethesda's notorious for, they, for their buggy games. Yeah. Like we all remember Fallout seventy six. That was I think I mean they're they're yeah. known for like their buggy launches, but that was just that was, was just a bad. bomb. Was yeah, bad. that was yeah. oh my god. And the fact that Elder Scrolls six isn't out yet and it's been Elder Scrolls five. Well, I know that in twenty eleven. <laughs> <laughs> it has been 11 years since the last yeah. Elder Scrolls I, I know that Elder Scrolls 6, I think, is priority after um, Starfield. Starfield. However, yeah. your your point still stands, obviously. The, exactly. they, and the, the amount of times they've re-released Skyrim is crazy. Um, they need Starfield to do well. I they think. do. I'm excited. I hope it does well. Um, and I, 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 I think... Fun. I also think they know that, um, especially with... I mean, now they're under... Microsoft. Well, yeah, and I don't know exactly the fine details of that and how the management works, but I'm assuming now, I'm assuming like Phil Spencer is their boss now. Like that, that, <laughs> that does make sense. I mean, um, but I, I like Phil Spencer, so I trust that like. Yeah, he's, he likes gaming. Yeah, he does. Um, and, <laughs> but, especially from the era that Xbox was before, and after, like with the introduction of Game Pass and everything, like yeah, I think he's, he's been really doing great. Yeah. Um, but the one thing I think is interesting is now is that I don't think, um, I saw something about this and I might be, but they don't have any like big Xbox does not have that many like big games this year. They, well, Xbox not. isn't known for their first party. No, game, right? they're not. You get, they're not. You get Nintendo, right? Nintendo has Mario. Nintendo has Zelda. Nintendo is like the king mm -hmm. of like the first party, mm -hmm. like 
all exclusive their specifically exclusive, too. Exclusive, like version exclusives, right? You mm -hmm. get you have so much going for Nintendo, right? Mm -hmm. And then PlayStation also is known for very, very like very exclusive, yeah. right? You got God of War, Persona, mm -hmm. you have The Last of Us, like all of these huge games which are exclusive yeah. to PlayStation. Spider-Man games. You know, I wish that's that why on people PC. buy PlayStation. Right? Exactly, yeah. Xbox has Forza and Halo, <laughs> right? And Gears, and if you want to remember. And Halo's not even exclusive anymore. Halo's no. on PC now, and yeah. so is a couple Forza games too, like, which is good for Xbox, right? Because you're expanding to a bigger audience. And it's Microsoft. Um, I think they were going to be on PC eventually. Yeah, and that I think we've done good with Game Pass and stuff, but you, what's what Xbox needs is to find their identity, I think, because mm -hmm. they don't really have a bunch of games that define Xbox. Mm -hmm. You got Halo, you got Forza, you've got bethesda now i guess so i guess you and, blizzard. <laughs> and blizzard and, eventually. and blizzard eventually and all of that right um it's like but those aren't really considered xbox or microsoft no, type, yeah. right been... you know they're still like you still consider skyrim and fallout they're, they're still bethesda yeah right you don't think of those as microsoft games you no, think of those no. as bethesda games mm -hmm. so i i think it really comes down to again starfield redfall these are big games that like Microsoft's been marketing pretty pretty hard here, and I think if they can really make these succeed, um, this could be big for them for sure. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, I think it's just going to be interesting because of, I think this year specifically, it'll be more dominant with Sony and Nintendo. Um, yep. I don't. I will say I don't follow Sony as much as I follow Xbox and Nintendo news. Like I follow Sony news, but like, I've never owned a PlayStation, so. Yeah. I, I want to play a bunch of their games. Either, yeah, no, like I still have my Xbox with me. Like I, 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 I think there's something about the Xbox that maybe appeals to more of a casual fan base. I wouldn't say I'm like fully a casual gamer person because I, I play way too much games. But I think Xbox has that like family casual title right now. Kind of like Nintendo. Nintendo. That kind isn't Nintendo because Nintendo is no, the king of that. It, it is, but I think that's friendly. if Xbox had to have a title. That's what yeah, it would be Nintendo's right now. Lot, or, or, Xbox is a lot easier to get into, right? Exactly. Uh, people know Pass. what an Xbox... I feel like, X, again, Xbox and PlayStation are sort of... They go hand in hand, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Xbox is just... The name is known, right? And it they've is. got Microsoft backing it, right? Yeah, Microsoft exactly. is way bigger than Sony is. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think Microsoft has the benefit of that and the fact that, you know, you could tie it in with all of Microsoft's everything, with Windows and everything that goes on with microsoft you could just loop xbox in with that too so i think that's where, where they have the advantage yeah I'm, I'm really curious to see how these all go out especially with all the new games that are going to be announced soon and just the way that they'll be presented um how geoff presents his geoff keely geoff keely um <laughs> what a guy um okay well our main topic our main topic our main topic that was just the gaming news. Yeah, course. that was just kind of like some of the more relevant news that we try to pick up. It might—it's obviously not going to be everything. There's probably some good news articles that are right out right now. Um, but it's just to like kind of get in and kind of then yeah. get started with the main topic, which makes sense. Um, so our main topic—we're going to kind of talk about um nostalgia and how that affects games and how it kind of changes the way that a game is played or felt or yeah. how people kind of react to it um and how it compares to movies in my opinion with nostalgia in movies um yeah so do you, yeah do you, do you want me you want me to start or you want to you, you want to go for it um i'll start first because i wanted to mention the because i think it's interesting to compare video game nostalgia to like movie or tv nostalgia yeah because obviously games i mean this is self-explanatory you are literally playing the game um, it, you kind of get more of a connection to it than you would so in a movie or a TV yeah. show. It's interactive. It's interactive. Exactly. Yeah. Even if a TV show or movie does it so, so well that you're really invested in these characters, it's not the same as like actually like moving around with the character. It's the interactivity that it does. Um, but with nostalgia, I think what it does, especially in, I think in both on all three, I guess, mediums, it kind of like blinds, um, the audience even if the let's say the game is not or the movie is not that great, but it has that nostalgia, um, yeah. that nostalgia factor that they really hone in on. That. A good example of this uh, in a movie recently 
is Spider-Man No Way Home. I'm assuming you've seen it? Uh, yes. Okay. I, but if, I, I mean, that's our whole gimmick, right? Yeah. It's, it's culture bait. <laughs> it is. And especially with the two other Spider-Men returning and the multiple references to their films with the villains that also appeared, but also just the the like the quips. And oh, the, yeah, everything. everything. It, it really hones in on that nostalgia, which it works. It works. Um, am I saying Spider-Man No Way Home is a bad movie? No, I don't think so. But um, I just think it definitely shows that how nostalgia could just really sell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think when it comes to games, at least, I think the biggest example of nostalgia being, like, a key selling point is just Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Like, Pokemon is the biggest nostalgia it franchise. It really is. Right? Oh, my God. Like, like Pikachu, Charizard, <laughs> every single game. I mean, yeah. really, though. Like, Literally. every single, the amount of times that Generation 1 and Can- the Kanto region of Pokemon have been reintroduced and re- uh, given just new life mm-hmm. into each game uh that comes after it i mean it's 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 nostalgia it's nostalgia baiting right because mm-hmm. you're trying to keep uh keep in those older fans who played exactly. pokemon back in the 90s right mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> when red red and blue first came out right and then you see sun and moon come out which is six generations ahead yeah <laughs> and then you see that sun and moon introduces alolan forms right mm-hmm. and you see that geodude uh doug trio all of these really like retro pokemon that people remember from generation one they get new looks and exactly. same with generation six right you get the mega forms mega charizard mega venusaur mega blastoise like it's one of those things where every single generation has that but everyone always complains about it which i think is interesting um when it comes to pokemon at least it's one of those things where so many people are like i hate charizard charizard <laughs> shoved in our face the whole time can yeah. we get a break from charizard and pikachu the whole time it works it like, works if the pokemon company would not continue doing it if it didn't work exactly and pokemon yeah. is the highest grossing franchise yeah. <laughs> pokemon. of the entire world <laughs> it's crazy like it's insane like again almost all of that is from merchandise mm-hmm. not even from the games but i think that sells the point further right because yeah if you just no i think it does introducing new games keep reminding people that pokemon exists keep reminding people of those great childhood memories they had playing on the playground with their old game boys and game boy advances and nintendo ds's and working all the way up i mean it's it's a perfect cycle of nostalgia that just sells so much content Mm -hmm. but it works and honestly i think pokemon does do a good job of balancing nostalgia with new content yeah because while they still include a bunch of nostalgic things aka forcing charizard into every single game (laughs) do a good job of balancing it right because you still have a brand new generation you still have like you know almost 100 new pokemon per generation and a new game to explore a new region a new character all this sort of thing, but it blends well with the nostalgia. And again, going back to like Jet 7 and the Alolan forms, it breathes new life into these older Pokemon that, you know, maybe don't get a time to shine, right? You get a Pokemon like Doug's Trio, who no one really remembers that much, mm-hmm. put them in the Hawaii region, give them long <laughs> locks give, of hair. Give them hair, you know? yeah. yeah. And it, it looks so goofy. And like people love Alolan Doug Trio, and people never talk about regular Doug Trio, right? Yeah. And no. it's stuff like that that gets people excited about the game and gets people excited because they see their nostalgic Pokemon that are just brought back into the current generation. And I think that's really cool. It's a great way to keep older fans uh engaged with the new new games and the franchise as a whole yeah i think it's interesting to see both sides of the argument especially because one thing with pokemon fans is that <laughs> they, I, hate pokemon. They, they hate pokemon they also yeah. will never be pleased they, they will never That's be true. pleased by anything That's that comes true. out by pokemon um no matter what but the vocal it, minority yeah especially obviously with the new game sword and shield but the fact that <laughs> I, the fact that i've seen like I've seen so many people just go back and forth on nostalgia like they're never going to stay on one side. And and I like how you explained it because I think nostalgia works so great in Pokemon because it's bringing those those uh, old fans back, how, however older they are now. Um, but what I do think it also does is that it kind of increases the, I don't know, like the expectations in a sense. Yeah. Um, for good or for worse. For, for good or for worse, if if they even get um held up on but i just think it's 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 infinite money making 
It's just oh, yeah. infinite. They, they found the infinite money glitch. Yeah. They genuinely found the infinite money glitch with it. Literally. And it's and not even it, a live service game. <laughs> it's not. It really isn't. I, I mean, people hate on Pokemon all the time. But again, when you're the biggest media franchise in the world you're gonna have you're gonna have people that hate it and you're mm -hmm. gonna have people that won't be pleased and let's be honest pokemon has been around since the 90s yeah <laughs> people who grew up in the 90s playing pokemon may not like the way pokemon is now no i doubt it i really it doubt completely it changed. people talk so, like you could put 10 different people in a room and ask them all what their favorite generation is and no one will ever come to a consensus it, it like the way Pokemon works is that it's just it relies so much on nostalgia and because people everyone most people's first Pokemon game that they play that's their favorite Pokemon game because yeah. it's nostalgic for them it's the one they grew up playing when they were a kid right mm -hmm. their, their parents got them their shiny new you know game system yeah even Nintendo Switch right nowadays mm -hmm. like but then as time goes on right the kids get older the kids you know start playing other games and again are start holding pokemon to higher standards but at that same time pokemon is still releasing games that are still pokemon at the end of the day it's still pokemon and it's still easy to get into and still easy for kids now to enjoy which i think is a big point because people always talk about how they want this big mature pokemon game and like all these pokemon fan games are talking about like you know with guns and drugs and like all these mature and dark storylines but that's not Pokemon, like, that's not what Nintendo wants Pokemon to be. Because Nintendo wants Pokemon to be available for people of all ages. And yeah. that's what makes it so nostalgic. Is because when you appeals to as many people as possible, mm -hmm. but, I mean, let's be honest, it basically appeals to whatever, like, the current, like, child generation is. Right? It, no, know, yeah, I think that's kind of what, even if they kind of get other fans, it's kind of what they go for, mainly. Yeah, right. But it works, right? It because does. Yeah, it works. Like buying Pokemon games, and again, this nostalgia keeps bringing people back mm -hmm. because whenever, even if they may not be interested in Pokemon, like the gameplay as a whole in the future, there's still gonna be like that one, like one team of Pokemon or that one Pokemon in general that Nintendo could just be like, look at this shiny new form for. <laughs> look at how we look at how we romanticized this Pokemon oh. in this game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And people will be like, wow. This is this just reminds me of like all this you know, yeah. all these great memories playing these old games and maybe I'll pick this one up and try it right. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I think it does a good job of that. I think it does a great job too, and I think it's specifically interesting. Um, another case of like a video game, in my opinion, which I'm curious if you thought I was going to bring up anyways, um, is the Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Of course. Of yeah. Course. Um, it would it wouldn't it wouldn't let I'll tell you right now, Dar. Today, it, it, this is the first episode of the Eat More Cereal podcast. Yes. There will not be an episode of Eat More Cereal podcast where Dar will not bring up the Mass Effect. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me give some context. Recently, when the Legendary Edition came out, I wanted to play it because I thought I've always heard good things about the trilogy. Um, and I kind of got obsessed with it. Um, I had like one week before I went to my first year of college and I finished 100%ing the whole trilogy in that week that was like my goal i didn't even play league that week which is actually very surprising wow. i was actually pretty proud of myself there Showing restraint. i know i know i know um and i was i was just i was fascinated with all the just everything the game as a whole because it also just got a bunch of quality of life updates you know that really it yeah. could have needed uh in the in the first trilogy in the beginning um because now obviously i did not play these games when they originally came out i I did not. I didn't know anything about them. Um, I loosely knew what Mass Effect was, but I only kind of knew it through Andromeda, which is not the greatest <laughs> thing to know Mass Effect through for, unfortunately. Um, that was that's a whole other mess that I'd rather not discuss. Um, and future episode, future yeah. Episode. And I think this game is a case of how nostalgia is good because not only did it um, reignite like passion from old fans and it brought so many new fans into the trilogy so like many it, exactly like me um but it even like it impressed ea like in a shareholders call they said that they were genuinely surprised with how much love and feedback people got from that game and how, how much well like how, how well received it was they were genuinely surprised and i don't like ea but i'm glad that <laughs> happened 
because I, I mean, I yeah. know there's a new Mass Effect game in development, it but well. it bodes well for the development team who want to make more Mass Effect content. And I think it just shows how much nostalgia can just be a good thing and um, really like give another chance for some properties that don't necessarily get as much time to shine anymore. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to like your original point too of mm -hmm. like talking about movies and games and how even if a game or a movie isn't necessarily like what people consider to be objectively a good movie or game yeah like nostalgia like again nostalgia goggles everyone talks about them and how games you played when you were like i don't know five years old ten years old and games that you know aren't even like super highly rated on metacritic they're great games to replay yeah. And I think that's what it comes down to with video games, right? Because when it comes to replayability, uh, it's different from just rewatching a movie, right? Mm -hmm. Because when you rewatch a movie, you're, again, just watching the movie again. And you sort of get, like, you remember, like, lines and you remember, like, how the movie goes. And, like, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It's like in that sense, right? Of course. But I think when it comes to video games is, again, that interact interactability. And when you replay a game for the first time in, like, 12 years... It, it just takes you back in time, it honestly. Does. Because if you say play like uh, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, which was on like the Nintendo 64, yeah, yeah. and you played it as a kid and it was like your favorite game, mm -hmm. you spent hours, you stayed <laughs> yeah. up so late. You stayed up so late when like uh, your parents told you not to, trying to play your on your Nintendo 64 and everything. And you loved the game. And then you go like 12, 15 years of your life and you don't play it anything yeah. else and then you go back and play that one game again you uh, are just transported back the dopamine you, uh. it literally like you, you can feel it because it's it feels like you're a kid again it feels literally, like you're experiencing yeah. that game for the first time again and while nothing really compares to going through your favorite game for the first time again that nostalgia like mm -hmm. games that you may not even consider to be like good games nowadays feel great because of all the good memories that you associate with it mm -hmm. if you play a game when you're a kid you have that childlike innocence of like you know you don't have the responsibilities that you do nowadays right you don't have to worry about work and assignments and exactly all these yeah things. like when you're a kid you just want to play games exactly you yeah play the game right and then when you're older you replay the game and it just reminds you of how happy oh, you gosh, are and yeah. how great it is right and that's what's so amazing about video games right is mm -hmm. that you have that interactivity exactly that you don't get with movies and no like, movies, no again can have a nostalgic impact they can. but the fact that you're in the game and playing it especially in games that like put you in first person like it it, it just means all the world yeah i think it's just it's crazy how strong narrative or not narrative um, nostalgia can be like just as a as a format to use for any medium any any medium i think oh, video yeah. games it amplifies it the most but for sure just in any medium nostalgia is such a good component and i don't really see any like negative things towards nostalgia i mean i think the only thing that could be bad i have a proposition it... i have a proposition for oh? a negative thing for nostalgia right okay okay so uh let's bring it let's let's bring it to just uh i don't know let's give a series right you mm -hmm. have a series yeah. like the legend of zelda okay i'm assuming you've played the legend of zelda at least one game i played breath of the wild okay <laughs> there you go so for people who have played the legend of zelda the legend of <laughs> yeah i was like i was like wait right? a <laughs> anyone who has played the legend of the zelda character yes yes so back, uh, games were formatted pretty similarly right you have like dungeons that you go to you go through in the in like an order specific like a specific order mm -hmm. and again it's like most narrative games you just follow the plot line and you go through and you go in the right order and then you get to the end beep the final boss boom you're done yeah yeah that's how the game worked of course breath of the wild releases right <laughs> <laughs> breath of the wild is not like that no <laughs> breath of the wild is completely new is you can go in whatever order you want you could go straight to the final boss if you want yeah <laughs> like breath of the wild is completely different from every other game that came before it really is and when people think of nostalgia right people are nostalgic for old zelda games people love that narrative structure people like being told where to go people like being like all right 
I can go to this dungeon, then I know I need to go to this dungeon, then I need to go here next. And then eventually I will make it to the final boss, mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. that's that. People didn't like Breath of the Wild when it initially came out at first. Like, a lot of hardcore Zelda fans did not like Breath of the Wild. No, no. it was too different from what they were used to. It was just so open, especially for a, a very linear game in the beginning. Like, when yeah. it was just so open world, they just weren't used to it. They were like, what do I do? And obviously this doesn't just apply to Zelda. This applies no, to Pokemon. no. This applies to any franchise that yeah. has multiple games in it, right? Mm -hmm. Mario, even. Um, but it's one of those things where people, again, like you said, can be blinded by nostalgia, right? People love these old games. Like, like I said, the impact these old games have on people is insane. Mm -hmm. People will defend these games they... with their lives. <laughs> yeah, even right? if it's not even warranted, even if... like, they will. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, so that means when a developer, right, takes this franchise that is beloved by many people uh -oh. and innovates. Mm -hmm. they, in they innovate, and then they create new gameplay mechanics they completely change the flow of a game it doesn't do as well right you no, get people no. who are mad you get people that are angry that it's not what they're used to i mean one of the best examples of this is pokemon black and white because uh, pokemon black and white are the lowest selling pokemon games are they really time. i believe the, i'm pretty sure they're they're, they're my lowest, favorite they're really low they're my favorite <laughs> uh, that's what i mean right yeah so when black and white first came out Right, people were so used to a Pokemon formula already. People were used to diamond and pearl, platinum, mm -hmm. everything. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Black and white release. It was. It and was when different. black and white release, the only Pokemon you could catch in the main game. Yeah. Were Gen Five. Yep. That and is. The only, there were no. You couldn't get Pikachu. You couldn't get Charizard. You couldn't get any of these old Pokemon in the main game. Oh my. Until you yeah. beat the game and then got to the post game in which yeah. it unlocked a bunch of like the older Pokemon and stuff. But people people go into these new games, they go into the new Pokemon games, they're like, Oh, I can't wait to use my old team in this new game and then they can't. There's so much that's different about black and white in terms of just the gameplay, in terms of like the animations. People didn't mm -hmm. like the fact that sprites were animated, even because Pokemon always had static sprites before. Yeah. And there's just too much change for them. There really was. When black and white came out, right? Yeah. And then nowadays, black and white's a cold classic. Everyone loves black yeah. and white because they did something different it's now. It's so weird. With... It's crazy, right? Because <laughs> people praise black and white now, but they hate Sword and Shield. In five years, they will praise Sword and Shield. Exactly. It's, it's the cycle. It's, it's the, the cycle. cycle. And I think it's... People hate change. People hate change People because hate change. of nostalgia. Mm -hmm. And again, uh, nostalgia is not necessarily a bad thing no. in that respect, but it really just comes to how people perceive nostalgia and how people manage their nostalgia. Again, taking off the nostalgia goggles for a minute and really looking at the game critically and being like, all right, this game is amazing. It's like my favorite game of all time from a, when I was a kid, but how could it be better? Like, how could this developer, if they release another game in this series, how could it improve? What quality of life fixes can they include? All that sort of thing, right? And you see that a lot with, like, Sword and Shield. They added a ton of quality of life changes. And, like, Sun and Moon. And every game since Black and White, they've added a ton of quality of life things. And, no, like, they really did. It, if you compare Black and White to, like, Red and Blue on the Game Boy, it's <laughs> not even close. No, yeah, you can't even. Like, the Game Boy games are a buggy mess. They, they are. completely imbalanced. Psychic types are overpowered. You can't yeah. even get Dragon types until they end. Like, it's, it's, it's so bad. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but again, people are nostalgic for those games. People want their game, like, people who grew up with Pokemon in the 90s want Pokemon nowadays to be like Pokemon in the 90s. Exactly, Which I yeah. just said before it's is why nostalgia works. Yeah. It's why nostalgia works by introducing the nostalgic elements, but also changing the game exactly. so that new fans are are introduced to new mechanics without like fully implementing exactly. it. Exactly, it's finding the balance. It's finding the balance. It's finding a balance, and I think it could work both ways. Um, I think it can work well, like with Pokemon and with a bunch of other games, but I also think like it can be work used like negatively. Um, I don't have an example of that, but. I think it just depends, like, I know there's been examples of, like, games, franchises where they come back after a while, and a new developer is on it, and it may not hit the mark, and then the just, like, the franchise just dies. Like, it's, it's kind of what happened with Andromeda, I think. Yeah. Um, Andromeda was a bit different, just because it's not, like, that bad of a game. It was just the facial animations that they did not have time to finish that... Uh, really screwed with it especially with there was like nothing from mass effect that when was that 
that was that was 2017 i think mass effect 3 came out in like 2010 or something 2012 so that was like a five-year gap so especially with that and then and it not doing well just kind of ruins all the nostalgia even though andromeda didn't have any of the main characters from the original game it still had yeah. that feeling of like oh you have like a squad you have a group of companions who you can romance with and you can do stuff with like that kind of way of playing the game is nostalgic for fans and i think and especially because it wasn't done well it ruined a lot of people's perception of the franchise as a whole not just that one game but the franchise as a whole so it taints like oh yeah everything um that's why the legendary edition was so great but because it re reignited a bunch of people's nostalgic feelings and passion for them but i think it just shows that if done well it's really really good it's so yeah. good um and if not done too well it's not the worst thing in the world but it can definitely ruin a reputation of a franchise as its oh, yeah, own for sure. Again, um, I think it's just finding that balance, right? Between exactly. nostalgic elements from previous games, but also introducing new concepts, mm -hmm. right? Because you can't just have it be completely new, because mm -hmm. then you have a Pokemon Black and White situation. Yeah. But then you can't have it just be purely nostalgia, because if there's nothing new, people would just be like, oh, this is just the same thing. This is just nostalgia bait, right? Because you need to have that new content to balance it out. Finding that balance between like old content and new content and like nostalgic elements and new elements to combine that's what makes a great a game great especially when it's in a, a beloved franchise yeah that so many people love and like criticize really really heavily <laughs> exactly yeah um that was kind of the main stuff um yeah it's kind of the main stuff that we want to talk about specifically with nostalgia in gaming um wow that was 50 minutes um I mean, yeah, that that, that was, seems like a good place to stop. I think. Yeah. Um, we're gonna we're gonna upload this on YouTube, obviously, but we're gonna try and figure out more of a, like a structure for how we do this stuff, and um, hopefully but, yeah. we'll yeah. If you are that, listening, that thank you for tuning in. Thank you for eating cereal with <laughs> thank us. Thank you. Yeah. You know what you should do. You know what you should do. Um, while you're listening, get cereal. You know, you know what, Tom? I think we should do a serial recommendation of the episode. Oh. I think every episode we should do a serial I agree. Wait, yes, that's amazing. Um, so, okay, you go. Or do we want to do it like... Do we want to do it where where one of us does it each episode? Yeah, I, I think that, that makes okay. sense. Do you want to go first? Sure. Um, I think Lucky Charms are, are amazing. Lucky Charms? Lucky Charms. A, a strong start for the serial of the episode. Yeah. We need to come up with a catchy name for it. Um, I, I, yeah. I like Lucky Charms. Yeah, good. Lucky I mean, Charms are good. Can you give can we give a little bit a little bit of a, a uh, why you love Lucky Charms? Um, I think the the combination of just like the normal uh cereal part and the marshmallows just it's a good it, it's a good it's a good it's a balance, balance of nostalgia and new elements. Star. It all comes back <laughs> it together. It all connects. It all connects. It all connects. Um, but that's there just why go. I love it because it's 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 just a great mix of it's the a, two. It's a good cereal. It's, it's a good cereal. It's a good cereal. Solid start, Dar. I appreciate yeah, yeah. that. And I'll I'll have to think about it for for next. Maybe, episode. maybe you should have it. Maybe you should have it before next episode. So you could give I it should. A I think I I think I will. Okay. Okay. Well, there you go. Okay. That that is that is the first episode. That's the first Eat episode. Yeah. cereal. <laughs> Thank you all for for tuning in. Yeah. And listening to us rant about video games for an hour yeah and we'll see you in the next episode we'll catch you. you on the flip side <laughs> <laughs>